Are you listening to the award-winning CBJRadio.com yet? 28 different shows, over 55 hours of new programming every week. Shows range from hip-hop, to rock, to all independent artists, to hair rock, a Friday night request show, and many more. Get yourself a CBJ Radio t-shirt and make CBJRadio.com the only internet radio station you listen to. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud. Hello, friends. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I feel like I'm living in Oregon again with all the rain we've been getting here in the last week. We do need the water, and I love seeing how green Laramie is getting, but I like to do some stuff outside, you know, hang out, garden, mow the yard, golf and such. I want to be outside during the summer, but all this rain kind of cuts the day in half. It's nice in the morning and then rain all afternoon or just going to rain all day. I do feel bad for the people on the East Coast that are breathing the smoke from those uh, Canada fires. Uh, We had the same thing in Laramie a few years ago and uh, it sucks. So I feel for those people out there. Hopefully I can send this rain uh, from Wyoming and Middle America, dump a whole lot in, you know, in Kansas, Nebraska, uh, for the crops so we can eat, and then uh, send it on over to the East Coast or send it straight to those Canadian fires. Yeah, send that rain there. That'd be great. Today's guests are Diane and Steve Moore, and you may know them as the rock duo, the Cranberry Merchants. Now, this is another friendship that was built in the music world, namely by cbjradio.com. Steve and Diane are the first combo interview I have done and the first married couple I have interviewed on this show. So let's go beyond the music and find out who the Cranberry Merchants truly are as people. Washington DC and I grew up in the uh, suburbs in Maryland Uh, lived there for like the first 18 years of my life Um, pretty much a basic suburban kind of life I uh, grew up going to a Catholic school and uh, just uh, you know living in a very Catholic family and um, yeah yeah I I, uh, lived there um, you know pretty much my my whole childhood in the same house and uh, just uh, kind of learned to love music throughout my childhood. Don't we all? Um, are your parents native of that area, of the Maryland area, or did they relocate there? Uh, they actually relocated. Uh, both of them are from New Mexico, oh, from, wow. uh, around Santa Fe, New Mexico. And uh, my uh, father uh, went to college. He became a chemical engineer. 
And he ended up getting a job with the government, which is how he came to move to the D.C. area. He worked for uh, a naval ordnance station uh, there in uh, southern Maryland. Are you the only one? You got siblings? What are the ages if you got siblings? Or age difference, we'll say. (laughs) Yeah, I have two older brothers. Uh, One is five years older than me, and the other is 10 years older than me. Oh, wow. Kind of like myself, I have three sisters. I'm the only boy. Um, One stepsister in the mix, um, two that are older, one that's younger. Um, My older sister's six years older. My stepsister's about four. My little sister's 11 years younger than me. Um, So I kind of had my own childhood uh, for being a boy, the only boy, um, but still raised with siblings and everything. Um, In the beginning, it was, I always, my older sister, she... um, walked on water um and i always wanted to be around her uh you know and as we got older you know less you want to be around me and i got that so <laughs> did you were you the the quintessential kid sister that was always following her brothers around um yes and no i mean uh you know i i guess uh i was treated special for being the only girl and being the baby of the family uh, yeah but um uh, I was, uh, well, a, a little bit closer to the brother that is five years older than me, uh, because the one that's 10 years older, you know, by the time I can really remember anything, he was already a teenager and he was off with his friends all the time, different places. So, you know, I didn't really spend as much time with him growing up, though I will say he did have a big influence on a lot of the the music that I was exposed to as a kid, um, he you know he was into a lot of the kind of uh, '70s hard rock, and his base uh, his basement bedroom was right below my bedroom, and when he blessed his stereo, I heard all that classic rock filtering up through my room. <laughs> nice, yeah. My older sister highly influential on my on my music choices. Hell, about twelve years old. Where this band came into my life, uh, the Beastie Boys, Brass Monkey shirt I'm wearing right now. And uh, she wasn't a big rap fan. So we kind of divided uh, ways there in music. Uh, but definitely you know, Prince, Michael Jackson, a lot of the 70s stuff, um, big influences on me that she liked. Some not so much. Can't say I wasn't Olivia Newton-John fan, but my my sister loved her and such. Um <laughs> I do remember like it's it's now that I'm collecting vinyl, which I shocked that I ever got back, got into that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm collecting the albums I grew up on and a few are cool. definitely her influences. I was like, I always tell my friends the only knock I have vinyl is that I got to flip it over. Like <laughs> just, just when I'm just like grooving into the album, like, Oh, I got to flip that over or change discs and or change mm-hmm. albums. And I'm like, Oh, but yet, you know, it's everything that it's it's cracked up to be. It's it's a very softer sound uh, than MP3s, and and I'm really starting to enjoy listening. Um, and it catches a whole lot more than any MP3 does. So if you got that keen music ear, you kind of notice it. Not everyone will, does, and such. And so I was going to ask that question about yeah, your your older siblings influence your music. Um, do you remember when you made that kind of hard left away from their music into Something more you? Uh, well, I guess it would have been kind of gradual because my my other brother, the one that's five years older than me, he 
he was kind of more into uh like the pop music from the time and uh you know like uh some of the well just kind of regular rock and uh you know that was kind of the tail end of the disco era in the 70s and everything so he he kind of listened to more of that stuff and then uh when i kind of started listening on my own would probably be about 1980 i had received a a clock radio as a birthday present and that was the first time i had a radio of my own i was like 10 years old at the time and once i you know i had that then you know i kind of started listening to what i wanted to and um started well in those days it was 45 rpm records that uh you know that i would buy and you know for 10 11 years old you know paying like 79 89 cents for a record it's a big deal you know to to buy it on your own but that's kind of when i started buying my own records and uh, of course a lot of the the new wave music that was coming up in the early 80s is kind of what i clung to and that's kind of when i started going that direction my older sister won speaking of the radio and 45s won the top 100 maybe but you got to call in a name off all the songs and they send them to in the mail i hope she still has that collection and oh, wow. <laughs> I, I actually have a shirt that has the disc that you put in the middle for the album that you could listen to the 45s yeah and, yeah yeah some people that always like calls out my age because people are like i know what that is and then young people are like i have no idea what that is <laughs> like, good yeah stay away from that and uh so as a kid, were you, were you academically inclined, athletically inclined? Were you way, way into music growing up um, in Maryland there? Well, uh, I did pretty well in school. Uh, you know, I was uh, always a, a pretty decent student. Uh, athletic, not at all. <laughs> uh, I've never been good at sports and I never really, you know, uh, got into it as a result, I guess. I guess, you know, just because I, I wasn't good at it, I just kind of neglected it but uh i always liked uh, a lot of the more creative pursuits uh whether it was music or um or one of my brothers the one that's five years older um he's an artist a visual artist um so he kind of got me uh into you know liking to to draw and go to art galleries and things like that he taught me a lot about the visual arts so you know i always enjoyed doing that kind of thing it it helped me like you know, now with the band and making posters and making graphics and cover art and things like that. So uh, he influenced that uh, creative pursuit. So I, I did a lot of that, you know, actually up through high school. And um, like I said, otherwise was a, a pretty decent student, um, you know, not straight A's, but probably a, a strong B plus student. There you go. Uh, my older sister, I, mean, I know if she listens to these podcasts, but she cast a huge shadow academically inclined athletically inclined um i was more ac- athletically inclined growing up um because I, the, I on the field i didn't have to compete against that shadow that that my sister had mm-hmm. all the teachers first and then i got them next and they would be like oh you're rochelle's little brother or rochelle does it this way and i'm like i'm sorry i'm <laughs> not her and, <laughs> you know I, it, and she it, excelled you know she would do art projects and they were they were kick-ass and she was had good grades and and it's not all i I rebelled against her um i'm left-handed and so 
I didn't know any other left-handed people. So I was a little step behind as far as like writing and, and English and stuff. And so I was just kind of like academics. What do I got to do to play sports? That was kind of where I laid, even though my uh, stepdad has a master's, my dad has a master's, my stepdad, like all my parents are uh, academically inclined. Um, they didn't push me that hard uh, in that world. And I'm like, I look back and I don't blame them because I look back and I could have been better at not bashing my head against things and using my head to think and such. And But I had a blast doing all my sports, even though I sound like a popcorn machine um, these days. And, uh, <laughs> but yet like one of my best friends in, in high school, cause I moved to Laramie when I was 13 from, uh, the West coast. I'm originally from a suburb of Portland, Oregon. And, okay. uh, Gresham is the name of the town where, where I grew up. And he, my best friend in high school, he was a bass player. And, you know, it's that starting those high school bands. I was like the jock that hung out with the bait, you know, the band guys. Uh, and, you know, I did my sports and then went and hung out with the group. And so young and growing up, they were all heavy metal guys. And and I learned a lot about music and I always can pick out the bass in a song really quickly. Um, but still, a lot of my friends to the day are like, I'm so shocked that you were like this super hardcore athlete. And now you're this big music guy. And I was like, the music was always there. I just loved playing sports at the time. I was like, the music was always there because like you guys, I grew up on the radio and having that first radio of yours or having that first tape i had a tape deck to record everything and i always try as a dj nowadays not to talk over maybe the lyrics i'll give you a little talk over the the beat a little bit i don't want to ruin it you know nobody's taping our shows but i was like i think that mindset is i don't want to ruin it for somebody that was taping like i did in the day where where those djs would talk right over the first part of the song and i'd be like well now i can't tape this it's yeah. not gonna work <laughs> It's not going to work. And yeah, I, I used to record stuff with a little close and play recorder too off the oh, radio. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, I remember we uh, used to take, we had tapes and then we had recordable ones. And they weren't side to side. So we'd put uh, uh, ghetto blasters in front of each other, um, boom boxes and such, and then hit record, play, put a box over the top of it. And we'd copy tapes that way. Um, yeah. I remember... Everyone had Beastie Boys licensed to ill, but I was the only guy that had Run DMC Raisin Hell. And so it was like my bargaining chip to getting so much, so much music because nobody had it. So I was like, all right, what do you got? So I can trade and tape it or record it and everything. <laughs> yes. You guys pull out some young music memories of mine. Um, so maybe we're going to slide over to Steve and ask some of the same questions as well. Where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in Indiana, a little bit south of Indianapolis. Oh, wow. In a, a, a small town. It was kind of a Mayberry kind of place at the time. And now it's all uh, warehouses and subdivisions. But oh, at the time, it was it was Mayberry. So I noticed with my hometown, it was slightly under maybe 100,000. And I moved back and it was like 300,000. And it just boomed. Now I, I moved back. I go to visit and I was like, what? This place is totally different. Yeah, like, just say yeah. I lived in the country. I knew long like my old house is no longer in the country. Uh, oh yeah, so you, are your parents from the Indiana area? Yeah, uh, they were from a, a little bit south of there, and they ended up getting a, a house in the the town I grew up in, New Whiteland, um, right after they got married, and I think what right after my oldest sister was born. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, so siblings, how many you got? Uh, two and two. Uh, I have uh, two brothers, two sisters, or well, one brother has passed away. But yeah, I have two and two, and I'm the baby. Ah, two babies of the bunch. In one side of my family, because my parents got divorced, I am a baby, so I can identify. And the other <laughs> side, I'm a middle child, and I have more of those issues in life than anything. Uh, I truly understand <laughs> it right nowadays. Why did the things do? Why who I am? Because I'm like the ultimate peacekeeper between siblings and anybody because of that, because I was the middle child for so long and I could oh. identify with older siblings, younger siblings. Um, and yeah, I noticed, I was like, I'm a peacekeeper and I've had to keep the peace between my older sister, and my little sister a few times. And uh, it worked out well. We're all, we're all happy friends. No, no divides here in the family. Um, hopefully they all still like me after this podcast. Cause I put, do put them out here a little bit. Um, I, I think I had a podcast that just apologized for like what I said, if I you know made them feel like I hate them, which I don't, my family, I'm fortunate enough to be one of those kids that are my parents divorced at a young age, not fortunate for that, but they met two other people that they've been with longer than my parent and my other parent and great step parents, you know, great stepsister. So I was yeah. lucky. I was lucky. So as a kid, were you? academically inclined athletically inclined uh neither and i didn't care a bit i was i think just above middle of the class uh, out of a graduating class of 207 uh -huh. i think i just i was about as average as you could get uh nothing in school really interested me except uh the arts or history or that kind of thing um it just it just didn't do anything for me i i don't really know why i, I wasn't I couldn't find a sport that I really cared about. My uh, both my older brothers and uh, one of my sisters was uh, into baseball or softball or whatever, and I, I it just never clicked with me. Yeah, so. were you like just all about hanging out in the community? Did you start working early? Uh, not too early. Um, I was more into hanging out with friends and uh, getting around town and seeing who's doing what and. Uh, wishing uh, I could figure out how to talk to girls. That was that was my big thing at the time. My old my sisters were so helpful in that area of the world and talking to girls. I, I guess <laughs> I was never really shy about it. My friends will tell me like you can talk to girls. I was like, yeah, I have three sisters. That's different. <laughs> They're not the same as the girls that you know. But I would. Um, so did your siblings influence your musical choices uh well my sisters used to listen to a lot of the kind of painful 70s music uh the kind of 45s where it's like oh god the kind of stuff that you hear in an elevator or in an old department store <laughs> oh, that kind of thing and uh it was my uh brother john uh actually he had all the cool rock albums of the day i mean like kiss and judas priest and rush and all that and he got me into a lot of that kind of stuff and uh, you know, it was a, a good way to break away from my sister's painful 45s. And uh, uh, I, I was kind of picking and choosing from his stuff what I really liked. And it was my friend Mark who actually really got me into a lot of what I'm into, uh, what, what I ended up being into after that, like uh, Aerosmith, Led Zeppelin, that kind of thing. I mean, he he had more specific albums and songs. He's like, Steve, you got to listen to this. Steve, you got to listen to that. 
And, you know, I would just kind of take my brother's albums when I could, but Mark knew exactly what to. Steve, you got to check this out, couldn't I? A good music guru right there. Yes. Yeah. Um, so when, okay, growing up in town, Indiana, and, and um, you're trying to talk to girls. So, and you graduated at, uh, you know, class 200, which mine was, I always laugh because when we have graduating classes, like 12, like that's very, <laughs> like that happens. And so mine yeah. was close to 300, which yeah, I don't know a lot of the people I graduated. I mean, I know of them, but I don't yeah. recall. Yeah. Um, so what, what, what would, did you want to do right after you finished high school and stuff? Do you know, did you know? I I wanted to do music. Uh, Mark was also a guitarist and he had oh, gotten me yeah. into playing, but uh, I came to find out, you know, that, well, all the girls love a guitarist, so I'll learn how to play guitar. And well, at the time I wasn't very good at it. So <laughs> I think he probably knew that. It's like, maybe you should try bass guitar. So I kind of moved over to that and uh, it, you know, I, it was the kind of thing I didn't really want to play anybody else's stuff. I want to try and get stuff out of my head. And shoot, I've still got stuff in my head from high school, you know, so as far as music goes, I'm trying to get out of there. But uh, that's mainly what I wanted to do. I just had to figure out how to do it. Did you instantly join up a band right away or start up a band to try to get this thing going? I did not. I, I couldn't really find anybody that I clicked with. It actually was several years until I met Diane. Uh, it was hard to find anybody that was really on the same page. Um I know a lot of people, uh, a friend of mine was a, a, a guitar teacher, and he would say, well, who are your favorite bass players? And I would say, well, you know, this person, this person. And he'd say, learn every single thing they do. It's like, why? I'd rather try to get what's in my head out of my head. It's like, how does that, uh, that uh, I, like I said, I couldn't find anybody on the same page as me until I met Diane. So uh, I was kind of just getting bits and pieces out before then. Gotcha. And Diane, same question to you. You graduate high school out of Maryland and uh, was it Maryland, right? Yeah. Or Virginia. Maryland. Yeah. Maryland, yeah. Um, did you know what you want to do when you were in high school? Did you have like, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go start a band. I'm going to go, you know, work here. Yeah. I, I kind of started figuring that, you know, I wanted to do something in the music business around the time I was maybe about 16. Um I uh, had started playing drums probably about a year or so before that. And uh, so, you know, throughout high school, I was just uh, trying to, to learn how to play. I, I actually never took any formal lessons or anything like that. I just learned by, uh, you know, watching other drummers. Uh, we had a neighbor across the street who was a drummer and he showed me a little bit. Um, and, you know, just listening to records and playing along with them, you know, just kind of honing the, the craft that way. And then um, during my senior year of high school, I was actually um, rather sick for most of that year. Um, I, I had to, to stay at home and a county tutor uh, came and helped me get the, the last few credits. I, I only needed two credits to graduate at that point. Um, so I actually had a lot of time at home to, to think about what I wanted to do. And it was actually a, a little bit of a scary time because, you know, here you're getting, getting ready to graduate. You don't know how well you're going to be and, and all this kind of thing. But, you know, I, I made it through it and, and graduated and, 
then that summer uh, I found in the back of a Rolling Stone magazine uh, an, uh, an ad for a place called the Art Institute of Atlanta that had a music business program. So I, uh, you know, I called and got the information in the mail for it. And, you know, they advertised teaching you. Of course, this was the days of analog recording, but they, uh, they you know, taught you how to do, uh, you know, studio recording, video production, uh, you know, uh, music business as far as things like, you know, copyright law and promotion and uh, taught music history, things like that. So, you know, I, I applied and, you know, I had no trouble getting into the school. And then um, uh, I, I didn't start in the fall because there was still getting my health situation, you know, kind of on par to, to where I'd be okay. And then that uh, following January after my graduation is when I uh, started at the Art Institute. Wow. That's a big jump. I mean, at that age, because uh, the university I went to is in my own hometown. Um, I mean, I wanted to leave. I thought I was going to leave. Uh, like I, I moved to Laramie when I was 13. I hated Laramie, um, uh, until maybe my senior year of high school. And then I was like, yeah, it's all right. Uh, classes were easier, <laughs> uh, was a varsity athlete, like had a girlfriend. Like I was like, that's yeah, all right. Um, but my goal, ultimate goal was to go play college football. And it seemed like every place that recruited me, small schools, they were like, I thought you were taller. And I was like, this, this is it. Right. <laughs> there's not one family member I recall, like they had a giant growth spurt later. Um, I have some tall uncles, but I didn't get their height. And so it kind of put me in place. Well, it was time to become a student. And that, I mean, more of a student, be like focus on the brain more than playing sports. And um, I don't think I handled my time adequately in college. Uh, definitely had a huge social life and everything um but my in behind the scenes if he was if he was doing this i don't know my stepdad is uh big in like tv broadcasting he has film degrees and stuff and as a senior in high school um my parents didn't really they would let me work in the summers but not during the school year they're like focus on it uh but this is the first time they did and at university of Wyoming football games i would carry equipment um recording decks they were attached to a camera we don't have those anymore but i would help carry it for the cameraman and um on sundays i would do our coaches show i'd roll in tape uh stuff that i wasn't i didn't think i was interested in but it was a job it was fun i didn't realize how cool it was until later and uh it was awesome because on saturdays i would have like many press conferences from our friday night football game the night before and they never talked to linemen, so that it was great to talk to some of the press. And we were a good team, so uh, that was fun. And I get into college, and my stepdad's like, uh, you should intern for me. It's an easy credit. Um, you just carry equipment, you'll learn. I wasn't a declared major. I thought I might go into marketing or teaching. And uh, by second semester, I declared broadcasting major. And that's how I met Jeff. Jeff and I met through the broadcasting world. Um, okay. I'm a year older than him, uh, but we had all the, the same classes and, and everything and, and became good friends then. And then, well, not through broadcasting necessarily, uh, we had a mutual friend that kind of brought us together because we were wrestling fans that were like, you and Rickett need to hang out. You watch wrestling all the time. And I was like, what? Another wrestling fan. So uh, <laughs> broadcasting, I, I, we became good friends then. And um, 
he had super long hair. I don't know if he's ever talked about it or showed you. He had like hair down to almost his butt. Um, it was long. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I cut around graduation, like right around then. Um, but it was interesting because they always they could identify him all the time. They're like, "Look, guy with the long hair." So I think he got tired of being that guy with the long hair. And, <laughs> um, but like, I, then I knew I had to leave, and so I had been working at a summer camp in New York, and I got a job on Long Island at a TV station right after college, or maybe a year after college, and also like met my ex-wife now. Uh, at that camp she was from England and we lived on Long Island and I worked in TV news and was like I hate this because news it, the bleeds it leads it, it was just not my style I made my video uh, style was all through sports and now I'm covering murderers and such and I was there for 9-11 and so it was it was difficult and a job opened up in the University of Wyoming and I was going through divorce and I was like yeah I can't believe I moved back and five years, I was like, five years. This is my East Coast mentality. Five years, I'm going to go back to Oregon. That's where I belong. And it's year 20, and I haven't gone anywhere. Um, <laughs> so I've stayed here. But yet, working in education uh, was so much better than working in um, TV news. And, yeah. and so I felt like I was making a difference, even though I was just a technical guy. Just making a difference instead of showing you some of the most graphic stuff or dealing with that. Yeah. There are lots of people that, may, that are really good reporters and are really good videographers that work in news, but it's just not my style. So, and it was weird how I became a DJ. I did not aspire to be one. Um, I was hanging out at my favorite bar that a DJ usually a couple nights a week. And they're like, Rude, do you like music? And I said, yeah. They're like, you want to be our Thursday DJ? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and there you go. That's how it all <laughs> went down. And um definitely in those first couple of years was a lot of like press play on a mix cd or something like that and then yeah. got got more into what i can do later on and matching beats and stuff but like it, it's those weird opportunities that you're like oh, yeah sure i can do that not knowing what you're getting yourself into and so diane you took off for for atlanta um steve did you, what got you out of indiana uh, I just got tired of uh, working little piddly jobs and that kind of thing. And I was trying to think of something in the music business to do. I know there was something, um, I'm sure I saw the same ad that Diane did. I'm not sure where it was. Um, but I know there was another school in, was it Ohio? That yeah, was like a Coffee, Ohio. Yeah, it was like a crash course in the same kind of thing. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, that didn't really seem like that would be a good, a good hands-on thing to do. It's like, uh, then I saw the uh, the Art Institute of Atlanta ad, and it's like, well, Atlanta's not that far away. I guess you know could could do that. And when I went, you know, went and uh, applied and got in, I was not in the same class as Diane at the time. Uh, I think for that it was an eighteen month course, and for the first year we were in two separate. We you know didn't know anything of each other. And uh, then as classes condense and fewer students and fewer students and then they combine the classes uh beginning of that second year that uh well i guess the fifth semester yeah uh is when they put me in her class and we used to get there both of us were the first two students there of the day so we would talk about this that and and whatever else so 
uh, we ended up getting to know each other and working on a video project together and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> wow. Video brings us all together now that yes. we radio. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and it's interesting because I, I don't know any people that are in my graduating broadcasting class that are still working in broadcasting. Like, yeah. I worked in technology and so I kind of dabbled in it, but this is all for fun and I keep the, the dream alive. Uh, doing you know the radio show and then the radio station and and this podcast um, on my own because I have to tap into that like I just can't deal with just technology all the time. It blows yeah. my. I'm always like I can break your computer more. I'm just not the guy that can fix it. Like that's. <laughs> um, and right now I'm learning about cybersecurity and it's crazy. So it's crazy. Um, what was do you guys remember what the video project was you guys worked on? Uh, yeah, it was because uh, I, I was actually uh, appointed the the director of the project, uh -huh. and what we were doing is we made kind of it was like a, a video time capsule that we were putting together. Yeah, uh, it was called pre two thousand. Yeah, because this would have been uh, we we would have been actually making this in nineteen ninety. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, so uh, you know this would have uh, we we were kind of recording like what life was like in like media whether it was you know music sports um just you know movies what whatever was going on at the time uh, or technology and you know kind of editing it together into a big time capsule so um at the time um you know i don't know if other people were busy or you know some of our other classmates just got kind of lazy about it and it's like okay here's my footage and just dumped it on me and it's like okay I, it, so i was basically in charge of putting it all together and editing it together and i only had one classmate that volunteered to help me with it and that was steve huh. so we spent a lot of hours uh you know alone together in that uh editing suite um we had a lot of time to talk and you know and it, it was during that time that we started dating so People will not understand young kids today with their non-linear editing. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you missed a, a cut you wanted to put in, you had to go back and rebuild it. Yep. From the beginning. Oh. Yep. 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 Do not and miss we, that. This was like VHS tape. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I had the other day I found myself explaining uh three quarter inch, half inch, like tape to somebody, and they're just like, huh? And I was like, well, the better quality has bigger tape, but you can't fit in that box. And like, oh, and I go VHS, such a, you know, crappy form because it's so small, but you can fit a couple hours on it, probably six hours on it if you really stretched out. And they're like, oh, thanks, nerd. And I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> we don't use that stuff anymore. And yeah, I mean, that, that's what there was back in yeah. the day. I mean, it yeah. was the same with the, uh, you know, with audio recording, we were still using the big reel-to-reel -reel analog tape and you know, if you wanted to edit, you you splice that puppy. So, yeah. with the, part of you know the broadcasting track was audio and video. I, I mean, I was already leaning towards video, but we still had some radio stuff. And one of the assignments was doing some splicing, and I was like, "We don't use this anymore." Like, but I get it, <laughs> and it's terrible. Thanks for the history lesson. <laughs> <laughs> um, they uh, later on in life. 
the community radio station I worked, I did here, and I started my first show, Jam with DJ Rude, um, had that same board for uh, the radio station. Like it even had our marks in in where we would turn up the volume to. Where I was just like, I sat down and went, I've seen this before. Just yeah. almost nearly 20 years ago. No, 15 years ago. I was like, wow. No, 20 years ago almost. But I was like, holy. And I asked <laughs> the guy that they brought in all the equipment. It's like, oh, yeah, it was definitely at the radio station you you know, did your classes at. And I was like, that, well, that's quality equipment right there if it's still working. Yeah. If it's that's still right. Good. Um, <laughs> like, I remember one time with Jeff, we had our senior level video class and we were making each month we'd make a news show and everybody would feature their their reporting and then you would have a of a staff in the studio your crew and they voted who was going to be the talent who was going to be uh the director uh or an executive producer and stuff and i got voted to be the director and truth be told at the time i was ahead of my time because i started interning as a freshman so i was way ahead technically with people at, at the eye and then I had the choice of picking my crew. And instantly my technical director was going to be Jeff because we had worked together so long and we he danced well with me. Like, and my teacher and my stepdad is the same guy. There was two, there was two teachers in the class, shut it down because he want he goes, like, there's no way people will be able to learn um technical directing, you know, because they don't get to learn under you. And I was like, but this is for a grade. Like you said, I had the choice. I, I was like, this is for a grade. And and so he's like, no, Jeff has to do something else. And I, I can't remember where I put him exactly. I might have made him floor manager because we could still work together well. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I had this guy be my technical director and he did just fine. But I was like, great. Like I had my crew. I knew what I wanted and you guys voted me down. And it was terrible because <laughs> we were... We were too good together. And I was like, well, what is too good? This is for a grade. This is for, you know, you know, some of us could use as a resume stuff. So yeah, like let us put the best out there. And and so that was that was made me think about that when you guys were talking about because we kind of come from the same world. I didn't go to the institute, but I got to touch equipment young in my career, as opposed to people who went to huge schools, and I'm sure you guys did too, that yeah. they didn't get their hands on it till maybe the last year. And and so um, it felt good leaving. It definitely, I felt like I learned something and such. So guys are in the edit bay, those those dark edit suites and everything. Were you like talking about music? Like, hey, let's start a band or like, let's go to shows. Like, did you click in that way? Uh, yeah, well, actually, musically is probably one of the first things we found we had yeah. in common. Uh, cause we, yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time in that editing suite talking about like different bands that we liked and we were actually impressed that, uh, we each knew like a lot of obscure bands that none of our other friends knew about. And yeah. we we're like, oh, wow, you, you know, you've heard of them or, or you have that record or whatever. And we found we had a quite a bit in common, even though, you know, the kind of the roots of our influences were pretty far apart because, you know, Steve was into, the, the classic rock stuff like, you know, Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith. And I was into uh, a lot of the new wave stuff like, you know, Duran Duran and Depeche Mode and stuff like that from the 80s. 
But there was so much stuff where we met in the middle, where we had a lot of favorite bands, you know, like Foreigner and Heart and, you know, uh, a lot of those 80s kind of rock bands. And so that that musical part just like clicked immediately. Um, And, you know, that I think that's probably what, you know, drew us close pretty quickly. What was your first what was your first concert together? Uh, Heart and the Black Crows. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hart was on tour for Brigade and Black Roads had just put out Shake Your Money Maker. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah. That's a, I mean, it's great lineup, but and he, you know, who knew Black Crows would just totally blow up. I mean, I've yeah. I've seen Chris Robinson Brotherhood. Have I seen no? Yeah, one Black Crows. God, it was a festival. I was like, when have I seen them? But yeah, never saw Hart. Um but love their sound, love their music. Um, But, and then, and then when was the first time you're like, Hey, we can do this. We can, we can form a band. We should play together. Uh, I was talking to a a guy that was in our class. Uh, He was a guitarist. Um, He was, we'll just use the word eccentric. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He had, non-conventional ideas it's like okay well we can try it and see if it'll work uh this girl i i'm dating now uh turns out she can do drums keyboards and writes lyrics so that could come in handy I'm like okay well cool we'll, we'll make it a threesome and we uh the three of us actually got together and tried to get something off the ground it was like right after what probably- it was uh yeah probably not too long after graduation because yeah. In fact, after we graduated, and at that point, we had only been dating, what, maybe about five months? Probably. Something like that. Uh, I had to go back to Maryland for a while, just because of money. (laughs) I had to uh, go back to living with my parents for a little while, and Steve went back to Indiana. And then um, after I'd been home maybe about six months, um it kind of scratched enough together to be able to move out to indiana to be with him and we were there for a little bit um and we we in during that time we ended up getting married and then uh but we had only been married what about 10 months yeah uh before we decided well that you know there's where he's from in indiana there's just no music scene whatsoever and it's like well if we're going to make a go of this it's not going to be here so you know we we were already pretty familiar with the music scene in atlanta and it's like okay well let's let's go back to atlanta and uh the the guy he talked about that uh we were gonna form a band with uh he was still living around here at that time and it's like okay if if we're gonna do this let's let's you know give it a try (laughs) So and that had the pyrodynamic change. Now we got a married couple and a, a, a an eccentric fella in the band, <laughs> and um, uh, you know how that all work out? Because at in the beginning it was like, hey, let's do this three to you know with three people it was a couple, but now you know two married folk kind of control the voting on a lot of stuff. And that's the way it did, and that's the way it, 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 it kind it, of unraveled. It went, yeah, it, it, <laughs> it went exactly the way you think that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I gotcha. And uh, he, uh, he just, um, he had a lot of ideas. He had a lot of good ideas, but he had no idea what to do with them. And when we would suggest, well, why don't we try 
why don't we try do it but simply try doing this you'd be like oh no no but kind of like that's what everybody would expect us to do yeah that's how we'll probably make money from it see if we do it this way and he just he was just always uh, the, the height of contrary i mean if if we said right was the best thing to do oh no we need to turn left okay we'll turn left <laughs> no, and, and the thing is i mean he he was a decent musician um you know he um with with recording i guess it, you know it was kind of a different animal when because we recorded a, a couple of demos with him but um yeah i mean it, it was up very obvious that steve and i were very much on the same page and he was in a totally different book <laughs> so you know it, it just it didn't last that long yeah yeah i can i think it'd be could be difficult working with someone that's like too avant-garde. It's like, hey yeah. man, we have to do stuff that you know, maybe modern stream people like, and then we can get into some more crazier stuff. But I mean, it's kind of if I got who fails a DJ, I could play all the B sides, I could play all the deep cuts, sure, yeah, I'll appease three people. But if I play all the popular stuff, hey, everybody likes it. So, and then yeah. you sneak in the the deep cuts and stuff. And, and so you kind of got to do that. Like, it's great being artistic and exploring different things, but sometimes it doesn't always pay the bills. So especially yeah. if you want to make this band go and tour and do merchandise, you know, and make a living off it, it, it kind of has to be something that doesn't make people run out the room, except for the people like, yeah, that was weirdly great. <laughs> and yeah. So, yeah. You know, um, so he's out of the band just you two guys um you're you you start trying to tour you just more worried on recording figuring out the overall sound and such well uh we continued to to write uh, as a duo for a while um and we recorded what two more demos yeah after that and there were uh, uh three more actually yeah yeah, yeah three, three more demos and uh, there was uh, a friend of ours from the Art Institute. He was uh, actually living in Tennessee. Well, first Alabama, then in Tennessee, uh, who helped us record those demos because, uh, you know, he um, had a kind of like a little home studio, which in those days meant he had, you know, a cassette four track and, and a little bit of, uh, you know, outboard kind of gear and stuff to work with, which was more than we had at that point. Um, but and, he did have a Yamaha Dream Machine keyboard, and boy, he knew how to use that thing. He was yeah. a, an exceptional keyboard player. He was, and still is. Oh he's, my goodness! He's, uh, he's actually what he's he won an Emmy Award a few years ago. But yeah, um, he sure did. But yeah, so you know, he he kind of helped us with those, and uh, I I had a, a friend from Maryland who uh, who did some singing that she you know helped us with some demos because at that point. I had not started doing any vocals. Um, I just, I don't know. I guess I, I just wasn't there yet. Um, I, you know, I didn't really know anything about singing and I uh, hadn't really learned anything about singing at that point. Um, so we, you know, we had those people help us record some demos. And at the time we were actually trying to shop the demos around to some radio stations. And uh, there were a couple of like local college stations they gave us a little bit of airplay at the time. And for that time, uh, you know, that's a kind of about as far as you could go without a, a label, you know, without getting a record deal. And it, unfortunately we were kind of going broke in the process. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, we kind of, uh, you know, pulled back from it for, for quite a few years. And, you know, I mean, Steve getting regular day job. And I actually went through a series of different jobs that um, kind of taught me new skills, kind of more modern skills as I moved along. Uh, I worked for uh, a market research company that taught me an, an awful lot about marketing and promotion. Um, I worked as a, um, a office manager for an art studio where I had a lot of time to myself on a computer and I learned how to do graphics and things like that. I, I had a lot of time to self-teach um, in, in that respect. Uh, and then I also worked for a charity for quite a few years for a military charity. I was uh, the state director for quite a few years and uh, I learned a lot of, about, you know, promotion and social media marketing. And so, you know, they were all these little skills that I was picking up along the way while Steve was working the jobs that actually kept a roof over our head. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, it just kind of developed along the way. <laughs> was or is the name Cranberry Merchants, the original name? Did you change names or what inspired the name? Uh, well, when we very first had you know the the band where it was the three of us with that other guitarist we were i had seen on an album uh, a word called halsey and it kind of stuck out to me it's like well that's a cool name for a band uh then uh come to find out that somebody else already had that name it's like oh crap so after he left the band it's like um we just kind of kept a footprint down on it and call ourselves halsey and ad it's like well until we figure out something better or whatever and then like diane said uh we took time away from that and uh you know did we're doing other things and we uh finally come back to it and i told diane it's like well i want i want to get back to the music again but i don't want to be healthy and ad because that sounds like either a christian rock band or a headache remedy or the or the two of them together or something so yeah. it's like i don't want that i want to be the cranberry merchants and she's like why it's like it's a cool name uh, but where it comes from is my dad, uh, my late father. He was a really colorful guy. And uh, he had a lot of catchphrases that were all his own. And that was that comes from my favorite one of those. Um, if somebody was telling him, uh, you know, a politician or somebody was telling a huge lie to, to your face, he would say he's got more BS than a cranberry merchant. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but okay. bad name. <laughs> yeah, bad name. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're the cranberry merchants and uh, diane at first you know didn't like it but uh she just didn't think anybody would get the joke and it's like well once people find out what it means it's like that's cool i like that <laughs> now i know i think i might go. know so I, I feel good I just, it's a great story too um so <laughs> once you got band back together from doing all these side jobs and taking all the time off and paying the bills did you guys, you know, go back into full writing music? Were you ready to tour? What you know, then an, an album maybe was there. Was there, we people are working on stuff all the time. Yeah, we had some. Uh, you know, we were basically going from the older songs we had written as a duo. Um, we, uh, I think, first had kind of focused on our what was our third and final demo to kind of start. Uh, I think kind of get things started off, and then we did the re-recording of that and diane suggested that 
our son, the Black Mariah, she thought if anything had a chance of going viral, it would be something like that. It's like, well, that'd be cool. Maybe we should make a video for that. So we, uh, um, I was nursing a, a bad knee at the time and I'm uh, like, well, I can't do a whole lot for this. So we need to figure out something simplistic to work with. And um, we actually went up to Thomas Edison's movie studio in New Jersey. Oh. And we got a, uh, a pass from the park or, you know, a, a filming permit there. Uh, and we went up they, there and filmed the video. And Yeah, they have a, like a, a replica of the Black Mariah as part of the museum there. Yeah. So we thought, you know, if we're going to do this, we may as well actually go there to the closest thing we can get to it yeah. to, to have some place to film. So we we applied for the permit with the park service and um, spent a few days up there and, uh, you know, did as much filming as, as we could in, in the one day that we actually had to, to work on it. And um, then, uh, well, it, it was right after we did that filming uh, Steve had to have uh, knee surgery. He had to have yeah. the knee replacement surgery. Yeah. So he was actually um, off work for what a full three months. Yeah. So we kind of used that time to to kind of get all of our ducks in a row to to get that demo re-recorded into what would become our first EP and uh, get you know the video edited together, um, get all of our social media started. Um, you know, um, get our distribution in place and things like that. Yeah. And um, so that, you know, once we were ready to release the video, we, we tried to, you know, kind of tease it just amongst our, uh, among our friends on Facebook and they had no idea what we were doing or what we were talking about. <laughs> that went over like a lead balloon. Yeah. They, they had no clue. <laughs> but, uh, but once we released it, um, you know, they were surprised and it actually got, you know, well received and, we uh, at first, you know, we were trying to to promote the, the old school way because that was the only way we knew we were sending CDs around to radio stations and things and it, that wasn't doing well. And then we found out it's like, oh, there's this Internet radio that's, you know, it's all over the place. There's all these stations. Let's try sending to some of those. And once we did it, if things started to blow up and it's like, OK, this is the route we need to go. <laughs> It, it, it sometimes blows my mind that people listen to internet radio stations. I'm glad they do. Um, yeah. Because everybody's got instant access. You can be an old Spotify list. And yeah. it's, so I'm like, when every time I do a show, I'm like, this, you're putting your trust in my hands, you know, because yeah. everybody can do that. And I always say to people, there's only one DJ in my car and that's me. And, and so I have a hard time giving up control, but um, <laughs> and, yeah. And, uh, but doing internet radio is definitely um, been a savior in my life because um, I was a long time bar DJ and then went, I had nothing. I was like, what do I do now? What am I going to have to learn how to play? <laughs> um, and so I do have, I do have a guitar. Um, my time spend with it is about tuning it up once a month, sending it back down and then recording a show for CVJ radio. Um, <laughs> And so I, I was like, dang, you know, and then I totally immersed myself in it. And I was like, I need to get back over and try to play the guitar again and and take lessons and stuff. Because, I, I mean, I love music and instruments. And um, the, when I first tried to learn how to play guitar, I'm left handed. I try to learn right handed, which totally mind messed me. And and now I have a proper left handed guitar and I, I watch other left handers play. And and so um, 
it's coming along, but not as fast as it should, as long as I've had the guitar. So, um, but I, my music goes into uh, my mind. I always say I need a music outlet and it's, it's been cbgaradio.com. It's, I do wedding events and all that stuff. So um, I like playing, you know, your guys's people's music first, and then maybe someday I'll, I'll make my own. Um, did, how many, how many uh, albums, songs you got out there in the old universe? 13. So. Yeah, we've got, uh, well, two EPs, and then we've released a couple of singles since then, which I, I guess, well, especially like the last EP, we kind of did it backwards. We put out all the singles and then put it out as a collection of an EP. Um, um, and we might probably end up doing it the, the same way, you know, with, with these last two singles we put out, you know, just kind of build up till we have enough for a, a, either an EP or an album and, you know, put the release out that way. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely been a learning experience yeah. over these uh, past, what, about four and a half years that, yeah. that we've been the Cranberry Merchants now, um, because we've had to learn a totally new music business that we didn't know existed before. Um, and using, you know, new technologies and whole new ways of promotion. But it's um, it's definitely it, been easier. Yeah. this time around than the first time we did it and you know i've i've had to kind of learn a lot of new technologies when it comes to doing you know video editing and just learning the software and learning the the recording software to do everything digital now um but it's also kind of opened up um you know a lot more possibilities for us yeah. you know instead of being limited to you know, a little four track or whatever. Now we have unlimited tracks to work with and, you know, pretty much unlimited effects to work with. And yeah. uh, it's, it's made all the difference. Fact. Do you, do you have your own recording space in your house or do you let other people do that? <laughs> uh, we, we actually uh, record everything ourselves at home. Um, we use uh, our office and our living room, you know, just wherever we have yeah. the space. We actually have a, um, a very high ceiling in our living room and it, it makes for, for nice acoustics. It does. It really does. Um, so it's, uh, you know, nice, good variety of, of surfaces and everything to work. So it, you know, things sound pretty good in there. And um, we, we really like just kind of working together because um, we haven't brought in any kind of like outside engineers or session musicians mm -hmm. or, or anything like that. We, you know, just kind of done it ourselves and, we're, we're just finding we really like it that way because, you know, we get to totally steer the ship and, and put out exactly what we want to put out. All right. We just moved into this house now, which is a much better setup. I have like my own studio, which I can shut. Oh, it's great. And, but our old house, it had high ceilings and wood floors and then we'd moved everything out. And I was like, man, if we could, we should record an album in here. Like somebody needs to come in and record an album in here right now. And, <laughs> This would, I mean, the acoustics, I was like, this would just be great. It sold really fast, which was good. But I was like, I didn't have the chance to approach anybody on it. Like, I have this space that you guys should record in. Like, a, you could do a great live album, like record. And because <laughs> uh, the high ceilings and stuff. But this, the new place, I can record and do podcasts. And the rest of the house doesn't have to hear me. So yeah. that that's good. Or I don't have to tell my girlfriend, go to bed so I can record. So like, <laughs> I go in another part of the house. And so it's great that, that this setup is now. And 
it also has some more space where I've actually had a few people in studio doing podcast stuff and and talking and and that's been nice. Um, I haven't built a full on recording thing yet. I got a few mixers here and there. We we come from the same kind of worlds and and yeah. uh, I mean I talking about new audio and ed- editing equipment and software is is amazing now that it can do all the stuff that you need training for years and years to years ago. I just need to move this button right here or this little, this little, yeah. Yeah. And now you can go, Oh no, that didn't sound great. Let's bring that back. But so uh, it's, it's fun to have that kind of um, access to the new stuff that's coming out instant access, I guess. And if you ever had like someone go, Hey, I want to send you a guitar track. They could lay it down and send it through, you know, the email. And you could yeah. the song. I mean, it, it, it's that kind of stuff. Like, it's great that like Jeff and I can run the studio out of our houses, and uh, it, it could almost sound like a radio station. Sometimes, like he comes in yeah. to do the promos, and I do the same. Like, like a word, hundreds of miles away from each other, and yeah. we still get this done. So it's been a lot of fun. I want to uh, thank you guys for uh, being on the show and opening up about your lives. Thank you so much for thank having you for us. Having us. I want to thank Diane and Steve Moore for being on the show. It was very interesting learning about their lives, especially uh, how they truly met and when they first started dating. It truly warms my heart uh, learning the story on how they met and uh, how they truly started dating because of a lot of time spent in a editing uh, bay. Uh, It's just great that uh, those kind of stories come out of the video audio production world. It was also great to talk to them about, you know, old school vinyl and the way we used to edit together audio and video compared to what we're doing today. If this is the first time you're hearing about the Cranberry Merchants, you probably don't listen to cbjradio.com, so please listen to cbjradio.com. We play them several times a day. Plus, they have a website. It's cranberrymerchants.com. It's that simple. Go over there, buy their music, check out their gear and such. Uh, they love all the support. If you are a music station owner like I am myself, um, contact them play their music on their station they'd love to be played all over the place they have a very unique style of music i thoroughly enjoy it i know jeff enjoys it we have lots of fans on cbjradio.com that enjoy it if you haven't please subscribe and like this podcast on whatever platform you listen on feel free to share the podcast via social media let's get the word out friends on to the next episode All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud.